Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Welcome to City Hills Church Online. We're so stoked that you're with us today as we're kicking off a brand new series called The Comparison Trap. Before we jump into that, how many of you guys really enjoy games? Like not video games, not Call of Duty and Fortnite, not those kind of games, but like old fashioned board games. A few years ago, some friends of ours got us into board games and games like Settlers of Catan and then my all time favorite, Ticket to Ride. I absolutely love that game. I will play that game with you anywhere, anytime, any day. I just love it so much. And so it kind of sparked something inside of us. So we went and bought some of the older games to play with our two daughters. And uh, one of the games that we bought was Candyland. And I realized really quickly that our oldest daughter, Brooklyn, she has a little bit of the competitive nature like I do, because all of a sudden, a few games in, she was like, well, how about I go first and, and I wanna help. I wanna go ahead and put all the cards together. And it only took like two or three times for us to realize that she was making sure she got the blue card on the very first draw. Now, if you're familiar with Candyland, when you grab that blue card, it brings you just like two little spaces, but then all of a sudden you get to take the stream up and you pass up like a whole third of the board and I was like, hold up now, like if you're going to be competitive and try to use strategy and cheat, I will take you on. And so, of course, I made her look like the other way and I changed the cards and made sure she didn't get the blue one at the top. And there was a meltdown that followed. But that's kind of just like life with a six year old little girl. That's just kind of normal. <laughs> but I, I love board games now. And it has just been something that's been a part of our lives over the last few years now. And I was thinking about board games as we were getting into this series, and it reminded me of one of my favorites as a child. And it was the game Mousetrap. And you'll see it here on the screen. It was a game where you were running around trying to collect cheese and trying to get all these little pieces. But what made it so unique was that there was this basket that would drop down on top of you and actually trap you. And it was just such a unique setup. And the basket itself was so memorable about how it dropped down on your little mouse that's running around. And I thought about that game as we were kicking off this series because of that trap. And the truth is, whether you like board games or video games or you're just out on games completely, the reality is that you and I play a game every single day of our lives. And that game is called the comparison trap game. Now here's how the game works. You and I, we go around through our lives looking around at each person and each situation and each opportunity that we see, and then we start to measure it up. We start to look around us and, and try to determine where we fit in this and, and how we compare to other people and how we compare to other situations. Now, the truth is, like most of us, we're not doing this because we're conceited or, or because we want to be above anyone. The truth is that we're doing it because we simply are asking the question, 
am I okay? Am I normal? Is my life like where it's kind of supposed to be? Like I don't have to be in first place, but am I like just not in last place? And we play this game where we compare ourselves to those around us. And it brings us to this first truth is that we're all using someone or something as a mirror. And those mirrors in our life, they determine for us whether we're successful. They determine for us our progress. For many of us, those mirrors determine our worth. And those mirrors eventually lead to how we treat other people and how we view other people. And what we ask those mirrors are questions like this. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Am I smart enough? Am I quick enough at doing my job? Am I good enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I skinny enough? Am I good looking enough? Am I liked enough? Am I followed enough? Do, do I have any value? Is there anything that I'm doing that is good? And these questions, they, they drive us to look at these mirrors all around us, looking and searching and just hoping that one of them will reflect back the answer that we need. The answer that says, yes, you are good enough. And what happens is that if we're not careful in our lives, we're looking at all these mirrors to reflect back what we're hoping will be the truth about ourselves, and eventually we get caught in the trap. And I call it a trap because before we realize it, we start going deeper and further down this road of comparison than we ever even thought. Because no longer are we just looking to see if we're okay, we actually start to look for if we are er, if we are smart-er, fast-er, more handsome-er, skinnier, wealthier. And that er starts to drive us to not only see where our place is in life, but to see, oh, maybe they have more than I do, so I need to make sure that I step up my game. And I need to work harder. I need to do more. And, and I just start pushing and pushing and pushing. And, and that urge drives us to compare more and more because we're always trying to see where we are in this race. And for a few of us, we're really messed up because er isn't even enough. And unfortunately, I actually fall into this category where I don't just need er, I need est. I need to be the best. I need to be the smartest. I need them to be the most successfulest, the, the skinniest, the, the coolest, whatever your est is, being above where you're supposed to be isn't even enough. You still have to keep pressing even further. And the only way to know where you are is to compare yourself to those around you. And at least for me, the truth is that I'm not trying to compare myself to other people. That's not where I find my mirrors. I actually compare myself to my future self. Whatever that supposed Danny is supposed to look like, whatever success that supposed Danny is supposed to have, I'm measuring myself up against that. Because you guys know about me that I, I love potential. And so within myself, I'm always pressing and pushing because I want to be the best version of myself that I possibly can be. But the issue is sometimes 
And more oftentimes than I would like, comparison is the only way that I can kind of know whether or not I'm, I'm reaching that level, if I'm reaching that potential. And what that est drive does in me is it leaves me discontent. And what ends up happening is that I can't even find happiness and joy in the present season because I'm always looking for what's ahead. And what God has taught me over the years is that while I thought that drive was a good thing when I was younger, that drive actually pulls me further and further away from the person that I want to become. Because comparison is not at all what we thought it was. Comparison isn't this weapon that we thought would help propel, propel us forward. Comparison, in the end, a, a pastor that's much smarter than me says it this way. He says, there is no win in comparison. There's no win in comparison. Now, you've seen this to be true, and I've seen this so many times. I've been hanging out with, with friends or hanging out with people that I know, and there's a husband who goes to work every day, and then there's a wife who's a stay-at-home mom. And I've been sitting at the table or sitting in the living room as, as this husband will make a little comment about, yeah, I, I thought things would be a little bit different, you know, with her being a stay-at-home mom. And I, I kind of thought that things would look a certain way. And I mean, I'm at work all day and it's like, what are you doing? We all know where he's going to end up that night, right? Like he's sleeping on the sofa if he's lucky to stay inside the house. I've literally been in these conversations. Because somewhere in his mind, his thought was, well, if I'm going to work and I'm going into the office and I'm going to do all these things away from home, then my expectation, what I'm comparing this to, comparing how hard I'm working and what you're going through, he's thinking in his mind when he walks in the door, I mean, the kids should be in the corner praying and his wife should be wearing something nice and just enticing when he walks in the door, and candles should be lit, and dinner is ready, just waiting on him, and just beautiful jazz music is playing in the background, and everything is just peaceful. But as we've all seen over these last few weeks, as we've been inside the house, and those of you who have kids, that world doesn't exist at all. And stay-at-home moms are, are balancing home and they're balancing relationships and they're balancing trying to keep the kids alive and they're balancing trying to get them educated and get them fed because for whatever reason eating is optional until it's not optional and then you drive us crazy like kids are the weirdest things where they're they refuse to eat and then they won't stop eating right you you understand what i'm saying and so it's just this constant battle and war so when that husband walks in the door mom is like here's the kids i'm out and the husband is comparing to how hard he's worked and how little he thinks she has. Or maybe for you, it's, it's not as much that situation. Maybe you work with someone, and, and I've, done, I've worked with people like this before, that they would come into their job and, and immediately they're just comparing it. Well, well at, my, at my old job, we used to do things this way. And my old boss, what he used to do is he did this. And, it would get to a point that eventually someone would go, then why don't you just go back? Like, why are you here if it was so amazing there? And what we realize is that comparison leads us to driving each other crazy. There's no win in comparison. 
before that smart pastor even said this years ago, there was a guy in the Bible named King Solomon who said it in his writings, and he just did a tremendous job of unpacking what this looked like. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, King Solomon was actually the son of King David, the famous King David that faced Goliath. And Solomon, in the Bible, it tells us he was, one of, he was the wisest man. He was one of the wealthiest men to ever live. He was unbelievably powerful, unbelievably successful, and he probably was known as the guy who had the like strongest libido ever, because the Bible tells us that he had 700 wives and 300 side boos. Now, they don't say side boos in the Bible, but it's basically that. But Solomon was this cat who just experienced these incredible things, and he, he wrote the majority of the book of Proverbs, and he also wrote another book of, called Ecclesiastes that we're going to read from today. And I like to refer to Ecclesiastes as, as Solomon's like emotional diary, because he just talks about what he's learned in life and, and the impact that he's seen it have. And so today we're going to read from Ecclesiastes 4, starting in verse 4. He says this, I saw that all toil and all achievement springs from one person's envy of another. Isn't that interesting? He says, I've seen everyone's drive and strive and their like push towards success be driven by their envy, their comparison to others. Isn't that fascinating? This too is meaningless, he says, a chasing after the wind. Verse 5, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. In other words, people who are lazy, they ruin themselves. Verse 6, this is our key verse here. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. And there's a huge truth here that we can't miss when it comes to comparison. What Solomon is telling us is that one handful of tranquility and peace and contentment is far, far greater than two handfuls of toil and striving and comparison and pushing and driving to the place that we lose it all. Because the reality is, it's not saying that we need to be lazy. What he's saying is that when we live in this comparison trap, when we're constantly striving and pushing and driving towards whatever else we don't have, we give up the peace and the contentment that we have in the one hand. I like to compare comparison to like slipping sticks of dynamite underneath the foundations of our lives. And every time we lean on comparison, we're slipping another stick in and we're lighting it. We're sticking another stick in and we're lighting it. And eventually what begins to happen is that we erode the foundation of our lives with comparison. And then what happens? It all comes crumbling down. There's no win in comparison. And we actually see a perfect example of this in the Bible with King Saul and King David. Now, just so you have a little bit of context for those of you who aren't familiar with the Bible, just a super quick Bible lesson. When the Israelites were in Egypt and they were in slavery and Moses brought them out, they went into this promised land that God had promised them. And they, they were started having incredible success, and, and God was just moving. But God was their king. Like, God was their leader. He was there with them day in, day out. 
and he would just, he had like pillars of fire and, and clouds that they would fire, uh, follow and they would just speak to God and they just, it's incredible things that would happen. But eventually, the Israelites started to look around and they, they said, hmm, well that nation has a king and, and that nation has a king and, and that nation has a king. Hey God, why don't we have a king? And God was like, well, I am, I'm the king of kings, I'm your king. Like, I am your leader. And they're like, nah. Like, we're cool with you being God, but we kind of want to be like everybody else and have a king. And so God, being the loving, gracious God that he is, he said, okay, you can have your way. So he gave them a king. And this is where we see Saul come into the picture. And the Bible describes Saul as tall and handsome. He stood above all the other men. But there's something interesting about Saul. When, they, when, when Samuel went to anoint Saul as king, they couldn't find him. And so they start searching all over for him, and they find him hiding in the luggage. Why? Because Saul, from the very beginning of his story, was letting you know that there's an insecurity that he was dealing with on the inside. That as we see him as a king, it starts to unpack. Now, Saul had incredible success. He was doing incredible things with God. And then we see this young shepherd, this good-looking, ruddy character that nobody knew, this little boy named David who enters the scene. And David enters and, of course, has this monumental experience where he kills Goliath. We're familiar with that story. He kills Goliath. And so Saul sees this young boy and he says, man, I'm, I'm going to take him under my wing and he's going to come and live with me and it is going to be awesome. And it was for a little while until Saul's insecurity started to rise up inside of him because see, David was starting to get more and more famous. And he was starting to do greater and greater things. And Saul got to a place where he couldn't handle it anymore. You see, David, there's no other way of saying it. David was a beast. He started having victory after victory. And it started to just make this jealousy and comparison inside of Saul rise up like never before. And so Saul actually started like throwing spears at David to try to kill him out of his anger and out of his comparison and his insecurities. And it was just this crazy story. And when he couldn't kill him that way, he was like, all right, fine. Well, I'll send him to a, an impossible mission. And, and then I'll be able to get rid of this kid who's like robbing me of my shine. And so he sends him out and he says, I want you to kill 200 Philistines. The Philistines were their like greatest nemesis at the time. And he says, I want you to kill 200 Philistines. And then as proof, I want you to bring back this, uh, let's just call it a unique part of their body. You can read that on your own in 1 Samuel 18. But let's look how the story uh, continues and wraps up with, with Saul. In verse 18, verse 28. It says, when Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter Michal loved David, Saul became still more afraid of him and he remained his enemy the rest of his days. After all of Saul's success, after all of his victories, listen, after God handpicked him to be the first king of his people, 
comparison eroded the foundation of King Saul's mind and his heart and his life so much that he made an enemy out of a friend. And he lived his entire life trying to kill David. My fear for you and I is that we'll be so comfortable playing this comparison trap game that we're going to just end up ruining our lives looking for these mirrors to speak back to us those things that we desperately need to hear in our lives and and just think about it because comparison if there's no win in comparison we we see how it just starts to erode the relationships around us think about it wives if you were honest there have been those moments where you've maybe you've thought it but you've maybe even said it to your husband of well well, her husband, you know, he communicates and, and he shares his feelings and he says all the things that he needs to say. Why can't you be more like him? Husbands, we've had those moments in our lives where well, we'll say to our wives or we'll think about our wives. Well, I mean, look what, look what she's doing for him. Look at, look at how she takes care of him. Look at how she supports him and what she does and, and how this looks. Why, why can't my wife, why can't you be more like her. Or maybe it's in your job, that in your job you're thinking, who else works harder than me? Who else brings more to the table than I do? Why is that person getting the recognition when I'm the one who does so much more than they do? What about in receiving that acknowledgement and that recognition and, and you're, you're just allowing this bitterness to rise up in you because everyone else gets the attention, everyone else gets the praise, everyone else gets the pat on the back, everyone else gets the promotion, everyone else gets to hear how awesome they are but you. And that comparison drives you insane and it causes you to just keep looking from mirror after mirror in your life to reflect back to say, you are good enough. I see you, you're good enough. Maybe for some of you, and while this sounds so simple and so like beyond us as adults, maybe for you, social media has been that comparison trap game that you've just, you see the lives of other people, you see relationships. And, and we had a, a devotion this week with Dave Willis, and he said that we're comparing our behind the scenes to everyone else's highlights. And we see their pictures and we see their vacations and we see how they quarantine and what their life looks like. And if I had that, if I had that level of money, if I had that kind of house, if I lived in that area, if I could be in this city, if I could be in that place, if I could do all of these other things that I obviously don't have right now, then things would be different. The comparison is robbing us of the joy of the peace, of the tranquility that God is offering us because we're playing the comparison trap game. Our challenge today is a really, really important one. If there's no win in comparison, then who or what is your mirror? We have to be honest with ourselves. Who or what is our mirror? Who or what is that that thing that is just so important to us because determining our mirror is is 
unbelievably important in the grand scheme of our life. The reason is because the mirror that we rely on the most is the only voice that will matter. The mirror that we rely on the most is the only voice that will matter. You've seen it in your life. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in so many people's lives that they find one mirror that they're looking at. And this is the one mirror that I'm going to lean on. And this is the one area that I needed to reflect back what I need. And even though they may have tons of other sources in their life that's speaking life and speaking affirmation and showing them their worth because this one mirror isn't, they can't find peace. There's no win comparison so who or what is your mirror as we wrap up today that's the question we have to ask ourselves next week we've got a really really cool thing coming up we're going to be interviewing two moms for mother's day and we're going to be talking about finding the right mirrors in our life but first we have to be honest and evaluate right now who or what is my mirror. Which mirror in my life am I looking to for my affirmation, for my peace, for my future? Let's pray together today. Heavenly Father, I know in my life how powerful comparison has been. And God, not comparison to other people, but just comparison to what I think my future is supposed to be. And God, then I make up these timelines and I make up these, these goals that I thought it was supposed to look like. And then when I don't reach them, I get frustrated with you as if you were the one who did it. And so God, I pray right now for every single person who's dealing with comparison. Every single person that they wake up in the morning and they're looking into some mirror to just say, will someone, will something just tell me I'm God, I pray today that you would just meet them right where they are, that they would feel your presence so near to them, and that they would know that there is a mirror and there is a reflection that will bring them hope and that will bring them a future. God, give us clarity of mind to see where we're looking for our affirmation, where we're looking for our peace, and help us leave this week recognizing the areas that we need to surrender over to you. God, help us with our comparison. Help us with our understanding of ourselves. And we know that you'll do incredible, miraculous things when we trust you with those. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey, regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through. Know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.